Greetings and salutations. You've successfully arrived at the bloody disgusting network. Coming up next is something indescribable, tantalizing, and mind-numbing. Enjoy. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Do you want to die, Sydney? It's your turn to scream, asshole. From the streets of Woodsboro. Back to the streets of Woodsboro. We are Halloweenies. Halloween, trick-or-treaters, dreamers, campers, and suspects. It's your boy, Michael Myers Rothman, and uh, we're back with a special episode. Very special. Unless you've been living under a rock, uh, you've probably noticed that uh, Elvira's back. Yeah, it's uh, been a big month for the Mistress of the Dark. Uh, In addition to celebrating her birthday, as you saw on our socials, she's back with a, a new book and a new special. In fact, it's called A Very Scary, Very Special Special, and it's airing on Shudder this Saturday, September 25th at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and she's got a pretty fucking killer lineup, I gotta say. Um, She's got Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, classic, 1988, basically one of the most rewatchable horror movies, I think, uh, ever. (laughs) Uh, She's also going to be airing House on Haunted Hill, 1959 version, William Castles. Then she's going to be airing The City of the Dead and messiah of evil it's a hell of a lineup i gotta say you know watch out joe bob watch out but in addition to that she's uh more importantly she's back with a memoir it's called yours cruelly elvira memoirs of the mistress of the dark the press release calls it unforgettably wild and look i don't doubt it because um you know doesn't take uh much to know that elvira has had a wild life in addition to being the mistress of the dark she's a household name just everywhere. She's been a pinball machine. Uh, she's been an action figure. She's been a Funko. She's been on all sorts of clothing. She pretty much set the bar for uh, the horror lifestyle out there. So, you know, you're probably wondering, okay, great, Mike, what the hell are you talking about? Why are we here? Well, sometime last year, I got to talk to her for a good 90 minutes, and we talked about just everything, everything. Uh, We talked about pinball. (laughs) We talked about the Me Too movement. Uh, We talked about why she finds comfort in watching films like Night of the Living Dead and The Twilight Zone. She talked about living next to Dave Navarro. So that's a funny story there. But, uh, you know, we we really went into a lot of stuff in addition to Tiger King, which should really date it. But I felt it was such a great interview. Never really been aired in any, you know, of our podcasts. So why not dust it off, put it out now, be able to hype all the things that she's doing, and uh, in addition to you know being able to give you a glimpse into uh, our afternoon together, it was really nice. And honestly, out of that nightmarish year that was 2020, it was uh, definitely one of the highlights. So sit back, maybe uh, you know wear something black, <laughs> be on theme, uh, but really just enjoy this conversation because it's a really good one. But uh, you know, be sure to tune in this Saturday, and be sure to pick up her book. And uh, we'll be seeing you in Haddonfield because. Uh, Starting October 1st, we are ditching Hollywood. We're ditching Woodsboro. We are going right back to Haddonfield, Illinois for our boy, you know him, my namesake, Michael Myers. 
because uh, Halloween Kills is out. So that'll be around the corner. But right now, Cassandra Peterson, Elvira, Mr. The Dark, get there. In a torn up Armani looking mighty fine I mean the brother was smoking, literally Sewn up with a needle and thread Put together with parts from the dead Except they put his nuts on the side of his head What in the world were they thinking? Dracula is afraid of life He only comes out of his coffin at night Slips out to have him a bite Out of somebody's neck batters He's a vampire, vampire bat Sucking on blood, gets low and fat Except I don't know if he should really be doing that I mean, I hope he practices safe socks. Most rap, everybody snap, everybody groove, everybody clap. Most rap, everybody snap, everybody move, everybody clap. For me personally, when it comes to horror, there's something comforting about it. There is. Right? And, and I wondered, do you find comfort in horror? Is that one of the reasons why you're attracted to it early on? I do. And, you know, and I often wonder what that is. I mean, if I was, like, alone here and just feeling anxious and weird, one of my favorite things to do is put on, like, old episodes of The Twilight Zone <laughs> from, mm-hmm. like, the, you know, 60s, I guess. Because I watched them as a kid, and they make me, they're, they're like, they're like, uh, you know, I hate to use this quote, but chicken soup for the soul, you know? They are. It's really weird. It's so comforting to me. Um, and old horror movies that I saw as a kid. I mean, even though they're a little scary, they're somehow very, very comforting for me. You know, I'm wondering, what is that exactly? Right? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about it a lot lately because it's so funny you mentioned The Twilight Zone because that's the same thing for me. I, I don't know if it's just the music or the simplicity of it all where yeah. you, I mean, even if they're terrifying parables, like... I know, and maybe the naivety maybe of a different time when things were so simple and mm-hmm. and just a spacecraft coming to Earth uh, seems nice now, you know? Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> with, with the horrible aliens, you know, it seems like, oh, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have a video called It Could Be Worse, and I suggest movies that, uh, you know, like, Misery, where you're trapped in a house with a crazy woman with a sledgehammer. <laughs> you know, so I said, so count yourself lucky if you don't have a crazy woman with a sledgehammer living with you. Uh, and then movies like um, Night of the Living Dead, which, you know, they're trapped in a house with seven people and all of them, are, you know, and you've got <laughs> flesh-eating zombies outside the door trying to get in. Mm-hmm. So... It could be worse. And maybe that is part of what makes horror kind of comforting. Totally. It's like, wow, I thought I had it bad, but look at that person. They got to deal with a giant leech. Yeah, I, I think that is a huge uh, paramount part of it. Um, I, it's funny you mentioned Night of Living Dead, too. We literally just watched that um, in the house uh, like two nights ago, actually. It's terrifying. And you're right, though, like being stuck in a house with pretty much a microcosm of society would just be absolute. Yeah. Oh, my God. And trying to keep something out, you know, and not being able to leave. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Yeah. Well, it didn't end that well for them. but (laughs) (laughs) No, no, not too well. It's got such a grim ending, too. Oh, I know. Oh, God. 
But it's such a great, brilliant movie uh, for the time. I've, I think I've watched that movie possibly more than any other horror movie ever. I imagine I have. I saw it as a young kid, and that was one of the first uh, real horror movies I watched. And just the idea of this house being in the middle of nowhere and almost like acting as a filtration system for the dead uh, is kind of scary. Just like the idea that like they're so vulnerable in that movie. Out of any of the zombie movies, it's just like they're they're just so fucked at that point. They sure are. And you know what? What's creepy about it too? The child in the basement. You know, the little girl that ends up eating her. You know parents yeah that was the first time that i ever saw a child involved in horror which is really one of the most frightening things in which a whole genre of movies later became based on you know like i mean well children of the damned that was out around that time but then Mm -hmm. when you think of the exorcist you know having a child as the as the monster you know taking something that's incredibly innocent like a child or a dog like Cujo or a car like Christine, you know, and turning them into the the monster is really terrifying because yeah. it's like those are things that everyone, of course, thinks of as completely innocent. Yeah. So that was one of the first, uh, I think probably the first example I ever saw of a child becoming like this gruesome creature. Yeah. And the sound design of it is just um, really unsettling. Um, the, the there's like something he does with the echoing when the mother's screaming that just still gets me every time. <laughs> I never thought about that, but yeah, <laughs> just, it, the whole thing is so creepy. That's why it's, it's so chilling. One of the greats. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, going back to to growing up with uh, with horror, I mean, there's a lifestyle element to it as well. Mm-hmm. You get an attitude from it, and I wondered if you know one of the things I love so much. Um, about Elvira is is the the comedic timing, this the the attitude, the sass, and I wondered is that your own natural instinct, or do you feel like you got that from kind of growing up in the darkness of like embracing the darkness a little bit? Yeah, probably. Um, well, I have been spending the last year writing my autobiography, kind of going back in my childhood, and as a child, uh, I was burned really bad, thirty five percent of my body, and you know, not many people know that, and. Uh, I used humor as a way to deflect comments that kids made about me, calling me a monster Mm. and running away from me. And I eventually started using humor as self-deprecating humor, making jokes about myself, myself. (laughs) And that made people kind of like me. Yeah. So I think that was the thing that I, uh, I kind of just came to realize that while I was writing, I, and I think I still use it as Elvira because most of my humor as Elvira, and the reason why women are a huge audience for Elvira, I, th- I think, is the self-deprecating humor. Otherwise, if Elvira was this, you know, sex kitten type, mm-hmm. guys would be the, uh, they'd be my audience. But as it is, I have slightly, when we've done demographics, it shows that I have women have a slight edge over my male fans. Well, yeah, I mean, you were able to show that, like, you know, it's okay for girls to love horror. It's okay to be different. Um, and and I and I wonder, like, was the embracing of horror and and kind of being on the fringe and being more alternative was it taboo for you growing up? Did you see a lot of gatekeeping that you encountered? Um, you know, doing that where. You know, people are like, well, you know, you can't like that because you're a girl. Yeah, it was very bizarre back back then. Like when I was a kid in the 50s and my my cousin took me to see House on Haunted Hill. And I was just 
absolutely it was like a, one of those was like oh my god changed your whole life mm-hmm. kind of how you think yeah um, well that was that for me and I was only in like second or third grade but from then on I wanted to buy famous monsters of filmland comic books and and um, I started ordering uh, when when you know it was Christmas I would beg my parents for models like Aurora model kits of of the creature from the Black Lagoon and the mummy and oh, love it. all that. And I would get that. And I mean, I remember people just thinking I was such a freak because back then, even boys weren't into horror. And my, you know, I grew up in Colorado Springs. And it's like horror. They just, nobody got it. I mean, literally my sisters were playing with Barbie dolls and I was playing with these monsters, you know, <laughs> and it was really bizarre. I think that it kept a lot of uh, kids away from me. <laughs> I didn't have that many friends when I was a kid, um, but one of the things I wanted to say about about women not being involved in horror, when I first started Elvira, I remember going to Comic-Con, San Diego Comic-Con, which was, I mean, I, memories are very vague. I remember it was in the basement of some oh, wow. hotel or some <laughs> convention or something. Yeah, it was in a basement. It was weird, and I was the only freaking woman there. I mean... There might have been another one. I didn't see her. Um, and it was so bizarre. I mean, hundreds of guys and just no women, you know? And it was all about horror and some sci-fi and all, all of that. But, you know, there just weren't any. And I think as Elvira went along, you know, I began to see more and more women coming into the fold. Was it terrifying at first, being, you know, kind of the only person representing women for the most part no i loved it it was awesome i was happy as a clam yeah. it was like <laughs> i just i thought i thought it was super awesome i'm like the only girl here wow this is so cool not terrifying i loved it but it was all guys traveling in little packs of two or three you know kind of coming up to my table stuttering and you know not able to kind of look at my cleavage it was really you know you know the type <laughs> yeah of course yeah yeah <laughs> You know, you also prove that, like, you know, sexy can translate to power and autonomy. Being so open with sexuality, is it, there, there's a liberation that comes from it. There is. Yeah. And do you think right now that we're still too uptight as a society when it comes to that, um, even regardless of all the, the, the walls that have been broken down? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've seen example after example in my whole career, just uh, amazing things like not being allowed into into some venues because I wasn't dressed appropriately mm-hmm. um, and my billboards being put up and people complaining and having a censored banner put over my chest and complaints to the station about my you know too much cleavage and I mean you know that's kind of what I was up against starting Elvira in, in 81 and surprisingly uh keeps popping up. It's a, a little more loose now. And it, it's strange. I was thinking, I was watching like the Academy Awards, you know, recently and every woman on there is wearing my neckline now, you know? It's true. <laughs> it's like, it is so true. <laughs> oh my God. And and black nails. I mean, they were another thing. It was like people would look at me like I had some disease and like run when they saw my nails were black. Now it's like eh, every day. So, you know, I, I mean, I'm not going to take credit for, you know, everyone's cleavage, but... <laughs> I do take a little credit for helping move women, what what women want to be, how they want to act, if they want to be sexy, 
it's okay. They can still, being sexy doesn't mean they're stupid. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of, I'm strangely watching the series Mad Men right now. I've never seen it. You know, it reminded me that like back in like the 60s, 50s, 60s, whatever, if women were sexy or beautiful, there is just assumed they were an idiot. Yeah. You know, they were stupid too. It just kind of went hand in hand. And I don't know, hopefully, um, not that I'm like a brain surgeon over here or anything, but it just because a woman has cleavage or large breasts doesn't mean she's an idiot, you know. <laughs> and I think that Elvira may have helped that along in some little creepy way. I think so, too. I hope so. I'm revisiting Mistress of the Dark last night, and... It's remarkable how much so much of it still resonates, like um, even just like some of the context of it, because even just that opening, you know, when, you know, you have the producer who's just a a total pig. And (laughs) I, you know, it made me wonder, and especially with you just mentioning the Academy Awards, you know, I, I feel like with Elvira calling everyone out and it's always she doesn't put up with any shit. And I and I'm wondering, like looking back she almost is like ahead of the the curve when it comes to even just like the Me Too movement. She's always in, in you know, had that sort of empowering attitude, you know, decades and decades ago. And um, is that something that that's come to mind over the last few years? Oh, yeah, a lot, a lot. I have a whole chapter in my book again about the Me Too movement and the things that I put up with and had to put up with along, you know, with my life and my career and all the jobs I've done, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's why women admire Elvira um, mm-hmm. instead of the, you know, uh, offended by her. I think it's the um, not taking any shit from men, standing up for what she wants, even though she's like not the smartest, you know, um, <laughs> person in the world. She still has a set of right and wrong, mm-hmm. but she doesn't take any crap from guys. And she's uh, her, very much her own person. And it shows a real strength that I think women have really, really... Um, come to appreciate over the years, you know. Even I, I do. I mean, I even Elvira's taught me a lot of lessons as <laughs> my as myself. It's strange. I wish I could be like Elvira all the time, but you know, I don't know if that would make me a lot of friends. It's so funny when my movie came out. Uh, it was just the reviews were horrible. I mean, ninety percent of them were just. they hated the movie and it was mainly men writing the reviews and I think they just didn't like a woman getting uppity I mean I've really kind of come to that conclusion Um, even my friend uh, Roger Ebert who I knew pretty well and who kept an Elvira picture at his desk at the Chicago I think Chicago Sun-Times where he worked Yeah, and he even just said it was the movie was stupid not funny I just running around, you know, showing off my cleavage. And I mean, it was pretty shocking to me. I was like, really? It's not even, you know, I don't know, but I, I honestly do think it was uh, a lot of male kind of uh, <laughs> pushback. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that, like, I mean, males have all those sorts of heroes and protagonists yeah. and the hosts and the personalities, but especially when it comes to horror. Um, it is so rare, even now. Yeah, even now in the 2000s, and it's just kind of a few of them around now, you know, finally. Yeah, and, you know, it's it's funny that it's just one of the things I also noticed watching it last night was just, you know, the town of Falwell. Um, 
and it's parallels to Trump and his new evangelicals, basically. Um, you know, we've come so far and we always seem to rubber band back to these good old of, you know, fashion American puritanical values. And I'm like, yeah. you know, you wonder, is this the last gasp? Like, or, or is that too idealistic? I mean, it just seems as if we never get rid of the shit. I know. Uh, every every time it just gets it. Well, it's like anything, I guess, you know, the pendulum swings that direction and that comes back the other way. But you hope every time it swings back, it swings a little less far, you know? Yeah. You know, but it always does. It snaps back and, oh, God. I mean, I'm glad you were watching that movie. I mean, I think the movie really, really speaks to women. I mean, I think mm-hmm. they really <laughs> kind of, you know, I, 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 on, a, on a more than just a horror level, which it's not so much a horror movie, it's horror theme, but mainly a comedy, it, you know, I hope. And um, and I'm glad it still stands up. I mean, I'm, I'm amazed that that movie was made, uh, came out in like 88. 88, yeah. I watched it sort of recently, maybe a, it's been a year ago now, but and I thought, damn, this really holds up. I, and it still speaks to women. I'm amazed by that. It really does. I mean, because in an age where, you know, you have things now like where, you know, people call out slut shaming, they, they call out like, um, you know, a lot of the sort of abuse that was considered the norm. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, this, this, this film, you know, tackles that head on. Um, I mean, you watch even with just the townspeople where you have these incredibly conservative folks, even down to the kids who are finding out that, no, it's okay. You know, you want to wear makeup, wear makeup. You want to go be promiscuous, do whatever you want. You should be able to do that. Cause I mean, that's <laughs> you're human beings. Yeah. It's kind of like, well, the message is kind of be who you are. Yeah. Don't let, other people tell you can't. It's it's this inherent puritanicalism that I feel like is just such a big part of the the, the fabric of this country, and like it, it just keeps butting its head over and over again. And and that's what's so that's why I think it's such a, an interesting movie to revisit right now because um, there's such a huge. It, it, we do everything does swing so left to right. You know, there on one side, yeah, you do have the you know the Trumpers and whatever everything else going on with the neocons and stuff, but. There's a huge, you know, movement with progressivism here in this in this country, and I think that Mistress of the Dark, I feel like especially like speaks to that truth, like that, you know, yeah, wear it all. Uh, out. Thank like, you. I, I think it does though, in a way, because like I think that, thank you, you know, especially with um, even just the ending where it's this acceptance and and and, and like the people that are just like kind of putting down the, the, literally the uh, the torches, and and realize, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, you know, let's 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 all come around to this. Yeah, it is really. It's pretty. It's pretty uh, in your face. It's like when people are actually carrying pitchforks and torches going after <laughs> yeah. you. You know, yeah. I mean, you, you can't get much worse than that, I guess. Yeah, but it's such it's such great satire, and I and I and I think it's it's also so perfect of the times too, with like you know John Waters that was coming up around then, and um, okay. you know, and like Heather's and 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 whatnot. So it's just it's it was just so much fun to, to revisit, and it made me wonder. You know, I know you were working on a direct sequel to it. Um, is that something that you'd still want to do or? I do still want to do it. It's so wacky. I have made, um, I wrote a treatment up and I was actually uh, working with a production company on it and moving along slowly because they were finishing up another production. Now mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> everything's on the back burner and you know, who knows? Uh, they worry a little about, you know, getting too old to do it, although they have some pretty great uh, tech stuff they can do to make you look good. 
first off, I don't think you have anything to worry about. But I, I second <laughs> up, there is, yeah, I was um, there with the what is it the uh, was that Martin Scorsese the Irishman <laughs> last year? Oh, they made Al Pacino that. look like he was in his forties or whatever. So I, I, but again, I don't think you have anything to worry about. You know, I, I mean. Worst comes to worst, I guess I'd do a movie like Mae West did when she was, what, 78 or something. And, you know, why she could get away with it? Because Mae West wasn't just this sexy woman. She was funny. She was humorous. That was her main thing. And I think if you take yourself too seriously as a woman, then people can kind of put you down if you're humorous about it. It just doesn't work the same way. Yeah. Honestly, my biggest, I'm more suspicious of people that don't have a sense of humor. It's kind of like Republicans. I always said that there's never been like a, I don't think there's a Republican uh, comedian out there. I mean, maybe Dennis. Uh, Dennis Miller now. <laughs> yeah. I know. And he's not funny. They wonder why all, uh, all the actors and all the comedians and everybody are Democrats. It's because they have a sense of humor. Yeah. They're not uptight. I think that's one of the biggest problems. And like, it's just. You, you got to have a sense of humor. I mean, this is, it's chaos. It's life. Like if you don't like we're, we're really screwed. So, yep. <laughs> um, well, one of the things I, I wanted to mention was that I think one of the biggest strengths is your comedic timing. Well, thank you. I just was cracking up, uh, you know, revisiting, um, some of the specials, uh, over the last week. And, you know, I wondered what were, who were some comedians that inspired you growing up and, um, maybe even some go-to comedies that you revisited a bunch, um, over the years. Oh yeah. God. So much. I mean, I, I loved horror, but I also really loved comedy growing up. And I was really, uh, I don't know, I loved Lucille Ball. And then mm-hmm. later I would see on the Ed Sullivan show, very young, Joan Rivers, yeah. Toadie Fields. I don't know if anybody remembers her. She unfortunately died when she was very young. Phyllis Stiller. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And strangely, one of my favorite all-time shows ever was Three Stooges. <laughs> so that's where my sophisticated sense of humor comes from. Oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, I had many, many, many female comedians who I just worshipped and thought, you know, wow, they can do that. Yeah. They're, they were pretty few and far between. But yeah, okay, that's a bad combination. Three Stooges. <laughs> yeah, that's a foundation right there, you know? And uh, <laughs> I think, I think honestly, like introducing anyone uh to you know the three stooges or i love lucy like early on it was it was it's paramount to um to upbringing and development for sure i mean it it, it certainly made me a, a a smart ass growing up um and i got in trouble yeah, right? non-stop from it. <laughs> yeah you'll get you got in trouble for poking people in the eyes with both your fingers right yeah yeah it's like all right well no slapstick's not for the classroom mike you know a series of movies that i love love too they're not that popular over here in the U.S. anymore, but was the Carry On series. Have you ever heard of that? No. Carry On Nurse, Carry On Sailor. Oh, my God. (laughs) They were brilliantly funny English movies. They were very, unfortunately, very much kind of like the mindset of Mad Men, because there was always a sexy nurse with lots of cleavage or a sexy, (laughs) uh, whatever, secretary with it, you know. Yeah. But they were very English and very funny i thought at at the time that i was you know in grade school so but they did have a big influence on me and i was like waiting for another one to come out all the time (laughs) so yeah you should should check those out god knows how stupid they are now i have no idea i haven't seen one in like since honestly i was in you know elementary school you guys you know it's been nicer lately and in wisconsin you never quite know when winter is going to be in but it's been nice for like four days in a row and i'm like if sunnier days are coming it's time to fuel up and so i'm going back to my factor meals that no prep no mess i want to hit my weight goals before it's time to hit that beach you've got options like calorie smart protein plus keto 
Factor has these fresh, never frozen meals, dietitian approved guys. And here's the big thing for me, keeping out of the kitchen as much as possible, two minutes and these meals are ready. So it doesn't matter how busy you are, you've always got time. So treat yourself. They have 35 different meals to pick from, 60 add-ons to choose every week. You're always gonna have new stuff to try. Have it whenever you want, it's effortless guys. So if you'd like to try it yourself, head to factormeals.com slash badmovies50 and use code badmovies50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code badmovies50 at factormeals.com slash badmovies50 to get 50% off of your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Do you think it's harder though to uh, to do comedy than it is for you know horror? Like does witty just come naturally or do you think that there's something that you kind of had to like practice again and again and again? Hmm, hmm. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that exactly. <laughs> it's just my... In my natural way, I want to go with it, you know. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I I know for one thing, I love any horror that kind of uses elements of comedy in it, you know, has a little comedy. I mean, I remember, uh, like, American Werewolf in London. Oh, yeah, yeah. Being kind of my first film that I went like, oh, my God, this is so funny, but it's so scary, too. And it kind of a light went on to me about how they made the movie feel like a roller coaster ride in that they would give you a big scare and then they would lighten the mood with a funny little scene where everybody was laughing and joking and you'd go like, ah, you know, you'd let down all your defenses and then wham, you know, some horrible thing would happen. Yeah. I thought, oh, I mean, it really hit on me at that moment. What this is freaking awesome. Like, you know, and I'm sure it's been done in other films other than that, but it was when it really hit me that what a brilliant idea. You make people laugh and then you throw a scare at them and that scare is twice as scary as it would have been if they were already waiting for it and tense. Oh, totally. It's disarming. For me, like growing up, I was obsessed with uh, Michael Jackson. And <laughs> when I saw Thriller as a kid, you know, I see, you know, Michael Jackson, who I loved as, as an artist. And then all of a sudden there's zombies everywhere and, and then everything's fine. And then and all of a sudden he turns around and does the eyes. Oh, that killed me that I was so in love with that. That, that sort of roller coaster, ten- like what you're describing is... I think that's honestly what hooked me into this genre was at such a young age is, is that, that, that sort of, that mix. Um, and I think that's kind of why also the horror is such a great escape because you, it's so unpredictable of like the, well, you could laugh, <laughs> you could scream, but you're going to do something that takes your mind off of whatever you're currently doing. Yeah. I'm, and I'm always struck by like at conventions, which I've been to for a million years and done a billion of the kindness and the, the the fans, the people mm-hmm. that go there, are in general the sweetest, nicest, most polite, kindest people. Yeah. And I, I mean, I even asked. It was funny. I was at a convention one day, and I go to this uh, woman who was working behind the desk at the hotel. I said, "Oh, the, you you guys do conventions all the time here, huh?" And she goes, "Yeah, yeah, all the time." <laughs> and I go, "What what's what are the best crowds?" And she said. The best crowds are the horror conventions. The people are polite. They tip well. They're, they don't, you know, mess up the rooms. They're not demanding. And I said, what are your worst ones? And she goes, oh, the religious conventions. <laughs> <laughs> Which is hilarious. Well, the irony is just insane. I know. She said, they're always demanding. Nothing's right. They always, they never tip. They, she, said, they're, it's just, she goes, oh, I just dread one of them coming here. 
Isn't that funny? <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I, and it totally makes sense. I, I you know, it's there's something. Uh, yeah. There's a unifying sense and bond with horror where I think, I think it's just something. It's 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 like a club. It is. It's like a club where it, where the doors are always open because I think the clubs has such a weird con- connotation to it. But it really is. Yeah, I mean, my fans, my fans are the best, the best, the best, the most loyal. It's, it's amazing. It's kind of like uh, uh, they have an attitude about me, like uh, um, when you're living in Europe and they they love an actress, and it doesn't matter if the actress is a hundred years old, it doesn't make any difference to them or how they mm-hmm. look or whatever. They are loyal to that person till the day they die, you know, and beyond. Um, and Horror fans are kind of like that with the people they they love in the genre. They they just love them no matter what they say or do or how they look or anything. Especially going through some of the production history for Mr. the Dark, um, it made me wonder, like, when did you know you were a household name? You know, is was there even a moment or an incident or did it just happen like overnight? Yeah, there were a couple of times. I mean, first, honestly, I looked at that when I got the job, it was just like, Oh my God! I, you know, for the first time as an actress, I have a job that's actually recurring. You know, I'm gonna work next week and I'm gonna have a check, and I'm gonna work the next week and have a check. Oh my God! You know, and I thought if this lasts a couple of months, I'd be so on top of the world. Um, so getting that kind of a job was was amazing. So anyway, I'm at home in my little dinky uh, place. I, I just got married and. Uh, uh, start getting phone calls because why my name is in the phone book. Oh my God. <laughs> Back then you had your name in the freaking phone book. So anybody could look you up and call you, you know, and there weren't that many Cassandra Petersons in the phone book, you know, oh, no. although there were two, if you could believe that. <laughs> and, uh, I started getting phone calls morning, noon and night. And it's like, what the hell? Why are these people calling you? They were like, Oh my God, are you Elvira? And, you know, I have a beauty salon. Could you like, come here, we're doing an opening, and then then it sort of dawned on me, you know, I sort of went like, hmm, hmm, this is weird. And then just a couple months in, just I can't remember exactly how long, I got invited to go on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, and nice. I knew enough that if you were on that show, you were a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was invited to do the Johnny Carson show, which was basically the only talk show then, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. it was the talk show. The others, nobody really cared about that much. I, I was just, I mean, it hit me over the head like a sledgehammer, like, oh, Christ, you know, yeah. this might be happening. This, I might be getting famous. I don't, you know, I don't know. But, so that's that's really the moment that I kind of lost my shit there. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, and, and since then, it's just the ubiquity is insane. I mean, to the point where it's it's just a, the mix of colors, even. Like, if I see purple and black i don't even just think of halloween anymore purple black and red i i think it's like it's like um, my brain's like oh alvara like yeah thank you i i've actually trademarked the color black just now <laughs> nice if you use black i get a royalty yeah well i guess i uh, there goes all the heavy metal bands right now they're they're gonna be they're gonna be <laughs> calling you up in a second yeah you know but speaking of branding though i you know I've seen the Elvira brand ev- everywhere at this point. Um, I, I, from you know beer ads to, to to action figures to shirts. For you though, what is the weirdest place that you've seen your brand go, and that made you like even raise your eyebrows? You're like, wow. All right. Well, we went there also. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I okay everything. I mean, every single product I have, and some much much worse than others. Oh, I had the world's ugliest damn action figure. I mean, it looks like oh. <laughs> 
God, how I okayed that. I think I was so <laughs> desperate to have an action figure. I just finally, after three or four times of them coming to us, showing us their the the model, it was like, this is terrible, this is terrible. And finally, it was just, oh, well, okay. <laughs> but, um, that, yeah, I think my weirdest brand thing that I approved, besides the ugly, ugly action figure, was um, one of the smelly things that hangs in your car. <laughs> <laughs> your mirror. It's like, why am I being one of those smelly things? What do I smell like? I hope it's good. Yeah, I wonder what it did. I mean, I imagine it was just like a pine thing, but I wonder if they did try to go with like some sort of, I don't know, like fall thing or um, like a pumpkin. I don't yeah, know. I don't even remember. <laughs> it was early on, but I was still thinking, I don't know if this is a good idea. Yeah. What are some of your favorites? That, that you'd still cherish? Oh, my favorite? Well, I just have a new one. I, I think, really, honestly, the pinball machine. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I love the slot machines that, that I've been doing. I think I got my seventh one now. And the pinball machine is my third. And uh, the new one is awesome, Elvira's House of Horrors. But I happen to just love pinball my whole life Ditto. as a kid. I mean, I spent more time in bars drinking beer and playing pinball <laughs> when, I, <laughs> when I could. So... For a while, pinballs kind pinball machines kind of have you know gone the way of the dinosaur, but they're kind of coming back now. They are, yeah. I have one here, and that can waste a lot of time while you're quarantining. Let oh, me tell I you. can't even imagine. That's so awesome. It's so cool. I I actually have the um my um newest one, House of Horrors, as the distinction of being the biggest selling pinball machine ever. Oh wow! Holy shit! Yeah, um, <laughs> it's won an award, and it's the yeah biggest selling one ever, which blows my mind you know with with horror being as popular as it is right now are you still a fan like of like modern of like current horror movies uh do you still watch uh you know ones that are coming out um and if so like what are, what are some that actually like truly scared you recently yeah there are ones that i really like well i my my most recent and this is not that recent but my most recent really favorite one and i've seen a few since then that weren't like mm, yeah, i didn't think they were that fantastic but um the Witch. I love oh, yeah. The Witch. Yeah. So freaking great. And I'm kind of dying to see Midsummer because oh, I yeah. heard it has kind of a similar vibe to that. Yeah, that one's great. Kind of, I mean, it's a vibe like, yeah, I don't know, they just quiet, very plain, nothing that, <laughs> nothing that crazy happens. And there's not a lot, what, what I like about something like The Witch is not really any CGI, except maybe mm-hmm. at the end there where they fly up in the air, but um you know, it's it's just all it's kinda of like telling a spooky story around a campfire or yeah. something. Yeah. It's just not all these special effects and blah blah blah, you know? Yeah. So I like that kind of thing a lot. It's just uh yeah, and I ha- let me tell you, I have a list here of horror movies I need to watch just because I need to see them and keep up with them. I mean, the witch, Jesus, that's like old now. Oh, hey, this is totally off the subject, but have you watched Tiger King? I have, yeah. It's... Oh, my God. Wild. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I just wondered if you had, because, oh, Jesus, so insane. So here's the thing with that. I, I come from Miami, so I'm from I'm from South Florida, so I was just surrounded by um, craziness my whole life, and <laughs> there's a lot of it that, that I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, and there's a lot of it that, that really weirds me out. Um, I wondered, <laughs> what, 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 what is it that... Uh, what were some shocking things to you about it? Because that for 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 me, it was mostly just the the fact that he actually made a song where he's literally explaining what he wants to do to that he ends up trying to do later on. I just thought yeah. the stupidity of that uh, was funny. Carol Baskin. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
unbelievable. I mean, the whole thing, one episode was more shocking than the next. Yeah. I just couldn't get over it. But I can't get over the fact that I I know all these super handsome gay men that don't even have any partners, and then he gets like three I know, yeah, young sort of straight guys to marry him. I know it's What's crazy. What's up with that? Yeah, and they're really good. So a lot of them are really, really great. I know they are good looking, except for the teeth. Yeah, that's but they what are good looking. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, if that one kept his meth mouth shut, he'd be okay. Yeah, but they are all pretty handsome, and it's so funny. I mean, yeah, I have gay guy friends of mine saying, but I, I can't even meet one guy. He's got. <laughs> Serena, he married. What yeah. is up with that? I've got to get a tiger. Yeah, and some of them are losing their arms. Oh my god, that girl! It's like the oh gosh, that was crazy. Uh, like, and she was totally fine with it. Yeah, you know, she was like, oh, this is no big deal. She didn't even take a week just off. An arm. It was just like yeah, I'm back Thursday. <laughs> I'm like, what? Like, I'm... I could not <laughs> believe that. I every time she came, I just and you know, oh, they asked me if I they wanted to do surgery and stuff or if I they should amputate, and I just went like amputate. Oh my like, god. Are you freaking idiot? I know. I I would say do anything, do anything, but don't amputate my arm. (laughs) Yeah, I I bet that was, it's the little things like that that was, that just sent me over the edge, right? Just was, was who are these people? Like, (laughs) what is going on? Oh my God. And then it's not over. I guess there's a new one coming out uh, sometime next week or something. Yeah, there's some special, uh, some, I guess probably all the footage they scraped up off the floor. Yeah, in the cutting room, they're gonna stick together and make one more episode because it's so damn popular. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever worked with the uh, like tigers and cats like in person before, or um, was it? Um, you know, I was offered uh, way back in the day ten thousand dollars to do a Circus of the Stars, and because I'm a very big animal rights person and a PETA person, yeah. Uh, I uh, turned it down. I actually had taken the check and then gave it back to them because I didn't know it involved uh, working with wild animals. I was supposed to train and be riding around and training an elephant, and I just I couldn't do it. I can't. I I mean, that, part of that Tiger King I mean, makes me just absolutely nauseous when I see the treatment of those yeah. cats, and I, I literally couldn't sleep. The whole night after I saw him pull those tiny newborn tiger cubs oh, away from the mother, yeah. I, I literally couldn't sleep the whole night. I just made me have freaking nightmares. So, so no, I have uh, to answer that question. I've been really into animal rights since mm, like I don't know, like '82 or something. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, and just uh, ugh. I don't want to work with them. They're wild animals. They're not domestic. I love animals, but wild animals belong in the wild. That's why they're called wild. Yeah, oh, I agree. I would actually want to talk about just music for a second because um, you're such an interesting past with music. And I wanted to know, um, I saw a lot of Alice Cooper in the past with uh, Linked Up, but what are your favorite albums? And like, you know, what are you listening to right now? Oh, right now, God, let's see. What am I listening to? I try, I'm trying to listen. To, this is so sad, but I'm trying to listen to stuff that's really kind of calming. But I can't stand that mm-hmm. kind of yoga music stuff. Yeah. I can't stand it. So I'm listening to like these all these old classics, like by Stan Getz and like some jazz Ooh. artists, um, Chet Baker, oh, Stan nice. Getz. Love Chet Baker. All these kind of old jazz artists. Um, I just, I, it's just kind of soothing, you know. Right now. <laughs> Um, but I do love, I listen to KCRW all day, which is the local NPR station, and they 
play songs like all day. They have morning becomes eclectic. So for several hours they play music and they play such interesting, cool, cool stuff. Um, um, I love this girl right now. This this uh, she's from Mexico, I believe, Rosalia. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, no, she's amazing, <gasps> unreal. Oh my god! Yeah, as soon as I heard her, I uh, got a couple of her albums, and I've just been listening to. Her. I love that. Um, but I mean, I I love every freaking kind of music, just about except like the yoga music. <laughs> but I pretty much keep music on in my house, morning, noon, and night. I sleep to it all night. I. I kind of play classical when I sleep. Mm-hmm. And then all day long, I listen to everything. I, I have a friend just send me his playlist of music videos of all 80s artists. Oh, oh my nice. God, it's hilarious, some of those videos, the hair <laughs> yeah. and everything. I know. I know. Um, but I, I actually played that while I was doing yoga the other day. <laughs> nice. Like, uh, yeah, it was like In Excess and The Pretenders and uh, Device them. and all these. So... I don't know, Any, you know, whatever. It's a good range. Mood I'm in, I'm on something, yeah. But I grew up loving. I mean, not grew up. I was already grown up. But Joan Jett and Chrissy Hine from the Benders and all. That. Oh yeah. And and so they kind of influenced me in a way. It was kind of simultaneous because it was around the same time. Yeah. But you know, I was wanting to look like Joan Jett and wanting to look like Chrissy Hine. You know that mm-hmm. that edgy, cool, evil kind of looking rocker. Oh, I was gonna. I'm sorry. I was gonna tell you this earlier when you mentioned the Michael Jackson Thriller thing. Mm-hmm. It was the most amazing performance, live performance I think I've ever seen in my whole life. Was seeing one of his concerts. But after the concert, I met him, and he said, "Oh, Alvara, I love you. You, you know, you should you should have done the voice in Thriller." And I go, "Yeah, I know. I should have." Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't I didn't know anything about it. But just recently, the man who wrote Thriller uh, died. And there was an article about him in the New York Post, I think. Mm-hmm. And it said that he had been planning on using Elvira as the voice in there. And then it turned out that Quincy Jones, who produced Thriller, mm-hmm. his wife was good friends with Coral Brown, the wife of Vincent Price. Oh. And they cajoled Quincy into doing doing uh, Vincent Price instead. Which I'm happy. I love Vincent Price so much. If I had to, had to go to somebody, he's my idol, I, I would want it to be him. Mm-hmm. But there's the other side of me that's like, you know, I know pulling my eyeballs out. I need a thriller edit with, uh, uh, you know, with Elvira, which would be awesome. Um, when, it oh my God. Easily be done. Um, <laughs> that would be so cool. Yeah. I, I, it's the whole context of, I, I grew up with, uh, with Jackson, like pretty much more when the controversy started. So like when dangerous was my, is still one of my favorite albums. And like, that was around the time when I, you know, there would be talent shows at my school and I'd go in as doing Michael Jackson. All the parents would be like, all right, well, that's, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, why not? I love, and so like, it was always been a weird relationship there. Cause I've always yeah. had to like, kind of just, you know, turn away, but I still listen to him like nonstop. Me too. I'm not going to, you know, I always say to people, if you, if you stop listening to or watching to or reading every, any artist in the world, because they're not a perfect person and they've done some really awful things, there you just there would be nothing yeah. because <laughs> there are just way too many. I mean, Picasso is a horrible womanizer. Do we yeah. take all his paintings and throw them in the trash and burn them? You know, I mean, I hate that about him. But you know, like Woody Allen. I mean, all these people, you got to separate the art from the human. And with Jackson, so easy too because it's like I don't really think of him. <laughs> 
all the time. Yeah. It's just great music, you know? Like, I'm not, like, sitting here th- listening to Thriller and being like, oh, wow, this is autobiographical. Great. You had mentioned seeing him live. What were some favorite shows of the past that you've gone to, like, some concerts? One of the best concerts of my whole life was Prince. Oh, my God. I mean, it was the most amazing <laughs> concert freaking ever. Just, I'll never get over it. I can't and, even uh, imagine. It was, like, magical. It was like he came from outer space or something. I mean, Michael Jackson was like that. It's like... This can't be real. Yeah. More recently, I have friends who, like, Jack White is a really good friend. And whenever he's playing in town, I always go see his concert. And I, I get him. good yeah. seats. And um, Queens of the Stone Age, if they ever play, they're not Josh Homie's a good friend. So I see, go see them when they play. I love their music. I love Jack's music. Uh, and, like, Alex Cooper is a friend if he's ever in town and stuff but oh queen queen was another concert that i saw oh, that wow. just blew my brains out and and i got to um meet them and hang out with them because my old boyfriend was freddie mercury's hairdresser oh my god <laughs> i know so i got to hang out with them i got to actually take them in my volkswagen bug driving around not freddie though he didn't want to go <laughs> um to the others and drive them around town looking uh, shopping for antiques we spent the whole day together it, if you can believe that. That sounds an amazing day. It, yeah. it was amazing. With the movie that came out a couple of years ago, do you think uh, Rami Malek uh, nailed Freddy? Uh, I do. The, the, you know? I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. I thought it was yeah. amazing. And I found I found out some very strange news. The movie led to me finding out that the reason Freddy wasn't so friendly to me was that my boyfriend was also his boyfriend. Oh, interesting. Yeah, interesting. very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, pretty was kind of like, um, but I did get their album, uh, and they, of, of them all signing it, signed the album to me, and um, wow. so, but it was really cool. <laughs> and you know, my my biggest regret, I saw the Rolling Stones when they first came out, one of their first performances in uh, the U.S. I saw them in Denver, and it was oh, amazing. Yeah. But oh. my biggest regret, honest to God, when it comes to music, my biggest regret of my whole life is I never got to see the Beatles, and they were yeah. my number one absolute still are my number one fam- favorite band i met them all except for john oh really wow yeah That's... but i didn't get to see them play first off who was your f- favorite beetle though john without a doubt of course it'd be the one that you don't get to meet but yeah um, right that's uh, yeah yeah I know. oh my god yeah. uh, it, it's that's that's like just oh it'll always always haunt me the Beatles and the Beach Boys are usually ones I, I try to go I to. I love from, the Beach like, Boys. I love the yeah. Beach Boys so much. Oh, my God. I could play them all day. Pet Sounds is one of my favorite albums uh, in the whole world. And and I play Led Zeppelin a ton. Um, uh, it's so funny. My next-door neighbor is Dave Navarro. Really? Oh, my gosh. That's so... <laughs> and we play, like, music all day. We have battles of the bands over here. But it's so funny how much music we play, <laughs> we play alike because I can hear when he's playing and he can hear when I play. And uh, we are always blasting either Jimi Hendrix or Led Zeppelin. Sometimes I play Mothers of Invention, for example. I love oh, that. nice. I mean, um, love Zappa. So yeah. we're always kind of blasting the same kind of music back and forth, that, uh, which is kind of fun to live next door to somebody you don't have to complain about their music. Yeah, that's really nice and makes social distancing <laughs> a lot easier, too, um, it, uh, I imagine. <laughs> it does. Uh, that's cool that your pals with like uh, Jack White and Josh Homme. I mean, Queens of Stone Age and Josh Homme. It, it's their. They're such a. I love the macabre element that they have of that band. Oh me too. God. They're so. I I freaking love them. And Josh is such an amazing character. I just love him. He's such a cool, cool guy. But 
Jack is is just I mean Jack has become a really really good friend and he um it's so funny right now he took he took a year off and he's he's doing upholstery right now. He freaking loves really? Oh yeah, I think he got to start there in Detroit or, or something like that. Um Yeah. Which is and cool. He's just, he's just like at home working on upholstery every day. Well, he picked a hell of a year to do it. Great I, mean... I know, right? <laughs> Best timing ever. Yeah. 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 I have one last question. Yeah. You know, everyone always gets to kind of steal the Master of Horror label, but who in your mind is the actual true Master of Horror? Vincent Price. He'll always be my Master of Horror. He's the one who is responsible for me getting into horror. I became friends with him. Um, you know, after I became Elvira, we ended up on every talk show and every convention and award ceremony and They'd always call me when it was, you know, we got to give Vincent an award or we got, uh, and I just got to know him. And I mean, he just became more and more like wonderful. It's like meeting your idol and they're just greatest person in the world, you know? Yeah. And he even taught me how to make fish in my dishwasher. So what could be better than that? (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. No, he was such an adorable person and the funniest guy I've ever met in my life. Every time I'd see him, I'd say, why didn't you become a stand-up comedian? He's the funniest man I ever met. Yeah, I, I feel like he, he, he certainly has those, uh, that cadence to it, especially with just the way that he would talk. And, um, and even just on his, you know, not speaking to the audience, just uh, talking in general. And like in his performances and movies, he just like, yeah, he, he has like a comedic streak to him for sure. Yeah. Oh, he would just, uh, every time I saw him, he would just have me like doubled over laughing. He was so funny. Thank you so much. Oh, this is fun talking to you. Oh, great, great. <laughs> Let's talk every week. Yeah, right? This has been like one of the most fun interviews ever. Oh, thank you so much. Seriously. We'll talk soon. Yeah, talk to you next week. Bye. You've made it to the end of another bloody, disgusting podcast. Congratulations. If you like our programming, consider searching for other bloody, disgusting podcasts, such as Creepy, Horror Queers, The Boo Crew, SCP Archives, Nightlight, Margaret's Garden, and more. <laughs>